0: In preaching to us about evangelism, loving others, loving the lost, in other words, what it means to be a Christian. Because if you, if I, if we have no concern about the lost whatsoever, then we're not Christians. And so it's not only been for the purpose of uh, growing our ministry or even reaching the lost per se, but he's been preaching that for yours, the sake of your soul and for mine. Because that's what we need to learn. Um, so tonight's passage, tonight's sermon is going to be uh, hopefully an encouragement and further equipping us to do that work. How many of you guys have been repenting already from your lovelessness of others? Baby steps. Right, it's been hard. So, uh, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians six, verse ten to thirteen. Ephesians six, ten to thirteen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. You guys are all familiar with this passage, right? You've all heard it before. And when you hear that passage, what comes to your mind? What do you think about when you hear that or when you see that? A fight, a battle, well, good. For me, I think of Sunday school when I was a kid. We've all heard this probably in Sunday school, right? And then there's like the felt board with the the picture of the soldier with the different pieces of armor, right? We're all familiar with this passage. But I think we don't take this passage seriously enough. And I think we find different ways to wiggle out of it. We find ways to distance it from us and find ways that it doesn't apply to us. For example, we think, well, that was a cute little thing you know Oh, well, it's an analogy to battle it's something I learned when I was in Sunday school but you know hasn't been that bad I mean as far as I can see day to day it doesn't seem too much like a battle or we think yeah maybe for Christians you know a thousand years ago when there was insane persecution you know and Christians had to uh, endure struggles every day or we think Maybe in faraway nations, you know, we've heard stories of missionaries in you know, Asia and Africa going through spiritual warfare. Or we think maybe this is for, uh, you know, sp- uh, Christian leaders, spiritual giants. Satan attacks them. He doesn't care about small fry like me. We all have different ways of looking at this passage and saying, well, Sure, why not? Not a big deal. But what I want you guys to burn into your minds tonight is that this passage applies very much to you today, and I want you to carry it around with you wherever you go. Into church, into CNCF, into Bible studies. Burn it into your minds at home when you're interacting with your roommates, talking to your parents, very much applies today so let's look at let's look at what he says he says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the full armor of god so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil what is he doing here finally be strong in the lord it's a command it's a command to all of us to be strong and if you know yourself if you know yourself, you'll know that you are everything but strong, right? You see how our feelings, our hearts get cold so easily. You know, one minute we could be in here praising God, and the next minute, not so much, right? We're so fickle, and we're up and down, and we're everything but strong. So, be strong. Well, how can I be strong? I'm such a weak person. I don't have any strength. So how do I be strong? You're telling me to be strong. How do I be strong? Well, it says be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. This strength is not something that you can muster up yourself, but it's a strength that you have to receive from God, and God is willing and able and happy to give it to you, okay? For what purpose? Why are we to be strong? Because our enemy is strong. Our enemy is very, very strong. And look at what this implies. Be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. What if you aren't strong? And what if you don't put on the full armor of God? Will you be able to stand? No. You don't stand a chance. The devil... Is far more experienced and far wiser and far more powerful than you are. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You notice that it says, Our struggle. Our struggle. Who is this our talking about? Who is it? Christians. Right? Christians across all ages, all nations, all situations. There's no such thing as a Christian who has not been a part of this struggle that he's talking about. If there is no struggle... Then you're not a Christian. If you're here today and you are a Christian, you're in this struggle, like it or not. It's that simple. Our struggle, and the struggle has been since the beginning. Right? This enemy, Satan, he's the one who caused the fall. Right? God, no sooner had God created Adam and Eve. Wonderful. Satan destroys it. Any enemy of God, right? Cain and Abel. Who do you think was behind Pharaoh when he enslaved God's people for 400 years? Right, Satan has always delighted in destroying and messing with and opposing God's kingdom. So that's why he says our struggle our struggle is still the same today. Our enemy has not changed. We have not changed. Right? We're every bit as, as much spiritual beings as they were back then. The Christians in the early church were not some special, special people. We're just like them. And so we have the same struggles today. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against powers, world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What does this struggle look like? What does this struggle look like? Well, earlier it talked about schemes of the devil. right? The devil does not fight fair. He's very tricky and very deceptive. And you guys have again, all heard of stories about missionaries who have seen crazy, creepy, weird things that the devil does, right? Well, what are some things that the devil does among us here today? He hasn't changed. He's still very much at work, full time. If, if there's one thing the devil isn't, it's lazy. He is so driven, he's so driven to destroy God's people and to destroy you. So what does he do among us here today? What are some of the schemes that he uses? He causes dissension. Good. Big one. If you want to, if you're fighting someone, if you're fighting an enemy, there's no better way to get them to quit than to split them up. Make them fight each other. Right, and doesn't Satan do that here among us? Right, aren't there some people here that you look at and you just kind of move a little further away? I think we'd be lying if we said, no, we love everybody here. There are people here that we don't like, there are people here that we avoid, there are people here that we despise. Some people we live with that we can't get along with, right? Every time they come home, we go straight to our room and close the door. That's a tactic of Satan. If you harbor bitterness in your heart against a brother or sister, Satan's schemes are working. What else? How about drowsiness? Drowsiness to spiritual things. This kind of attitude when there's a preacher or doing Bible study, we just kind of glaze over and say, well, yes, yes, I know. I can practically repeat. You know, I can practically finish what the preacher's next sentence is going to be. I'm so familiar with this. I really don't need to hear this again. Boring. Boring. Right? We are so excited about all sorts of things, but then as soon as the Bible is being taught or being read or the conversation turns to spiritual things, shut down. Remember the parable of the sower? The first kind of seed, what happened to it? Birds came and ate it before it even had a chance to get planted and bear fruit. Right? Drowsiness does just that. And it's one of Satan's great tactics. What else? Gets us involved in the world and works. What do you mean by that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, so drowsiness, distraction, distraction. We are so distracted today, so, so, so distracted. Smart, I just got a smartphone not too long ago, and I don't even have uh, internet on it, but it's distracting as heck. Like, there's always something buzzing or ringing all the time. Right? And if you have a smartphone with internet, I'm sure it's ten times worse. Right? You get updates on everything. Everything. And this is a problem. This is a problem. Because how are you supposed to think of anything worth thinking about? For, for, and anything that's worth thinking about, you should be thinking about it for some time, right? How are you supposed to sustain any thoughts that have worth? In them and that can make you grow and mature. If your phone is buzzing all the time, or if you just have it laying in front of you so that every time the screen lights up, you can just grab it. Distraction. How many of us how many of us distract ourselves and become busybodies? Right? Going from place to place, jumping through all kinds of hoops. Running errands that we don't have to run. Right? This kind of busy distractedness is another great tool for Satan to prevent us from hearing the voice of God and meditating on his word and growing. Godliness takes patience, and godliness takes slow work sometimes. And it's impossible to do that if we're always running around, doing nothing. What else does Satan use? Entertainment. Entertainment. Yes, also distraction. Triviality, right? When we're together, when we're together, there's some of us who all we could do is joke around all we can do is joke around and keep things light, keep things light. Right, I'm not saying we have to be morose and serious all the time. But don't just keep things light and trivial because you don't want to talk about anything else. There's so many good opportunities to help each other grow. And if we just joke it off, We've lost them. Okay, so there's all that on the other side. Now, what else? Kind of from another angle, another thing Satan does to us is he makes us proud. He causes us to despise our brothers and sisters. We become very spiritually proud. So proud, so proud that we can't even hear what the preacher is saying. So proud that we can't even pay attention in Bible study because we're so busy judging our brother or sister next to us or the preacher or the leader. That's another tool of Satan, spiritual pride. How many of you have gone through phases of your life or still do where, uh, The measure of your godliness depends on the amount of holy feelings that you can feel after prayer or devotions. How often do those lead to true godliness? If we're honest, most of the time they do nothing but puff us up. Cause us to withdraw True godliness frees us up to enjoy other people and enjoy our brothers and sisters. True godliness never causes us to retreat to our mountain and, uh, you know, when there's everyone else around and feel good about ourselves. These are just a few of the tools the few, a few of the schemes that Satan is using all the time, all the time. And you must be alert and watch out for it. You know about the dissension thing. You know, you're supposed to love your brother from the heart, right? And love them because, uh, you know, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. Well, that's hard. And this is going to sound really weird. But if you can't love your brother because they're your brother, at least love them out of hatred for Satan. Does that make sense? Satan is working so hard to try to tear us apart. So at least make an effort to love your brother that you don't love because you know that this is what Satan's trying to do. Another tactic that Satan uses is he makes us think that our struggle is against flesh and blood. We all have people, now we talked about dissension within the church. Now let's think outside the church, on campus, at work. A lot of times there are people that we don't like because they prick our consciences about our need to speak with them. Don't know if this makes sense to you, but they're all people that we look at, either people of certain ethnicities or lifestyles, you know, the goth or emo guy, or there are certain people that we just look at and then we are filled with disdain and we don't give them a chance and look down our noses. At them and even sometimes when we're together we giggle with each other when they walk by Well, that's because we know that if we actually were to love them and speak with them and try that it would be difficult and they would push back and it wouldn't be easy and we wouldn't have the words to say remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood there was a um, there's a guy today uh, that I I met him a while ago when he came onto the bus as I was driving. And we got into a discussion, and he was very antagonistic about Christians. Um, and so we parted ways, and then today I saw him again. And all day I've been thinking about this sermon. And so um, he was in a computer lab, and... I needed to, to use the restroom, so I went to the restroom, and we right before I walked in, we made eye contact, and I quickly looked away, because I didn't want to get involved in that again, difficult conversation, so I looked, and then went into the bathroom, and then when I came out, I thought to myself, oh, man, I should say hi, I should say hi, so I did. I said, hey, and he goes, oh, so that was you? Uh... Hey, don't slam the door, buddy. It's really loud. I was like, well, good to see you too, you know? And um, I wasn't happy about that. I didn't like it. I didn't like the guy. I walked away thinking to myself, I'm not going to talk to that guy again if I see him. But what was that? Was he the enemy? Is he my enemy? No, we have a greater enemy. We have a greater enemy that is trying to make me, is trying to discourage me in evangelism. Trying to make me self-protective. Trying to keep him, well Satan's going to hell and he's going to try to keep, to take as many people with him as he can. Okay, so later as I was driving I thought, back on that guy at first with distaste and then I remembered wow what have I been sermon prepping for all day and so what I, what I do I pray for the guy right because God can change his heart God can change his heart there's two kingdoms in this world there's God's kingdom and there's the kingdom of darkness, and you are of one or of the other. There's no middle ground, right? Every single person that you look at, every man, woman, child that you see walking around, underneath the hoodie, underneath the earbuds, underneath the dorky nerd clothes, Underneath whatever exterior there is to anybody that you see walking around, there is a spirit, a soul, someone who has been made in the image of God. And that person's soul is either... Look at Ephesians 2. From verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. According to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. They're either that, they're either of Satan's kingdom, serving him in bondage to their sin on their way to hell, or... Their souls have been bought by the blood of Christ and they're communing with God and walking with him. There's no place in between. You need to remember that as you walk around and as you you look at your coworkers and friends and strangers on campus. We can't become naturalistic, meaning, well, what I see is all there is we have to remember that there are two very, very real kingdoms. We cannot become like the rest of the world and think that the physical world is all there is. Well, so what do we do? Satan is so tricky and he's working full time and he's more powerful than we are. What do we do? Verse 13, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. If you're a Christian, you have every tool that you need to protect you from the schemes of Satan. You have every tool that you need but you have to put on the armor. You have to seek God because you know you're weak. You know that you're blind. You know that you have no clue, right? How blind are we day to day? We live, we live, we live, and we are totally oblivious to all of this stuff. We have a hard time even feeling the right way. Our emotions trick us all the time. So cold, so dead. How are we supposed to go out there in a world filled with devils? We have to plead with God to give us the strength. And we have to plead with God to give us his Holy Spirit and to wake our hearts up and to open our eyes and to give us strength and courage. Right? It's a scary battle. And God has promised that All who ask him for help, he will not turn away. And he will give us what we need when we need it the most. So let's do that. Let's not be blind anymore. And let's be aware in our homes, in our prayer rooms, even when we pray, Satan attacks us when we try to if we ever get to op- to the point where we open our bibles and sit down and pray satan will sometimes put the most blasphemous horrible thoughts in our minds to try to throw us off course he's vicious he's like a lion never satisfied with causing enough damage okay so be alert be vigilant put on the armor And trust God to give it to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you that. You warn us in your word. About all the dangers that are around us. And I pray that you would help us to be sober. And awake. And not blind to these things. Give us your strength. Give us your armor. Give us a desire. Give us. Give us the humility and give us the the eyes to see that we need you very much and help us to cry to you for help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.